Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name is Windy, and I'm joined by my psychic and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy, and my medium block, Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. <laughs> Hello, mate. So we are recording this on Friday afternoon, uh, so it's going to be a bit odd. We're not going to talk about the Chelsea game, because by the time most people will listen to that, uh, it will have happened, so there's no point. So we're just going to focus solely on the Leipzig match from midweek. And it's been an interesting response to that game. Uh, I would say I could put responses into three categories. So firstly, some people, and I think I would include the BT commentators and pundits in this, thought that Spurs were way too negative in this game from the start and that Mourinho approached it in totally the wrong way. Others were saying that the system was broadly a good idea and the right thing to do, but that we played it badly, that individual players played it badly. And finally, the group that think the system was probably right and we did okay and we nearly pulled it off. Uh, which category of those do you fall into, Bardi? Um, I sit somewhere between those final two. I think I didn't have a problem with playing a low block against Red Bull. We saw a bit of success when we adopted that against Liverpool and Man City. Um, I just think I just think some of the players didn't perhaps um, they weren't quite perhaps smart enough when we had the ball and um, we missed we missed um, a focal point up front. We missed Sun badly in this game, and I th- I think everything that's been said about this game, you need to take into account that not only do we not have Kane, but then we don't have Sun and. We we have become a bit of a toothless team and I, I don't know what else you could do when you've when you've got no ability to punch back. And how about you, Nathan? Yeah, I, I kind of feel similar to Bardi. I don't know, like, realistically what we could have done um, in those sort of... Like, <laughs> Leipzig are really good. <laughs> like, I warned you, you know? Like, yeah. um, when we tried to play through midfields, they turned us over and counterattacked. When we tried to play long, they won the ball and built from the back. Mm. When we tried to press them high, they passed through us and exploit the space behind when we set deep, they controlled the game. Like, not to say that, like, that it was completely impossible. There was no way we could have made it work. There was no way of tweaking details. But, like, I don't think we had much choice over how that game played out. I don't think it was a decision to, like, to, to be 
to have as little of the ball as we did, I think that that Leipzig took it from us. Yeah, I, I think so. And I, there are some positives to take from it because I thought when Leipzig sat, sat off us a little bit and we introduced um, two players like um, Endombele and Lamella who can carry the ball and retain possession instead of just uh, booting it away, I, I thought we looked a better team. But those two players, we knew they were un- unable to put 90 minutes in. And once again, it was it was a question of not making any mistakes, relying on Hugo and hoping for the final 20, 30 minutes that, that we could turn the, change the game by introducing those two guys. So I think the sort of underestimation of Leipzig uh, is is the main takeaway for me. So it seemed to me that all the pundits in the BT Sports studio and certainly Genus and commentary, I, I really like Genus normally for what it's worth, but I thought, I thought I found him intensely negative for very little reason. I, I just think they didn't appreciate that the reason Spurs were playing poorly and unable to keep the ball for the majority of the first half in particular was that Leipzig was setting pressing traps and doing it very well. And they were doing that because they've had they've got an excellent manager who's been in charge for 18 months and he's got a very cohesive unit, a bit like peak Pochettino at Spurs. We were able mm. to work as a unit and teams, many, many teams couldn't cope with us. And we couldn't cope with Leipzig if we tried to, like Nathan said, if we tried to play them at their own game, if we tried to play through midfield, we were just going to get picked off. So for me, I kind of agree with, with where you've both ended up that it seemed like the right thing to do. I, I probably would urge... I'd move, I'd err slightly towards the the system was good, the players weren't, certainly for the first half, but then the second half I think almost proved Mourinho right in that we had conserved energy, we were able, like Bardi says, to bring players off the bench to make a difference, and were it not for a really stupid challenge from Ben Davis, which I think is slightly out of character for him, uh, we'd have got a draw, we might have even snatched a win another day, and, and it wasn't the worst thing in the world. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to add on the on the BT pundits that I, I watched the Atletico-Liverpool um, game beforehand, and they were all predicting Liverpool were going to railroad Atletico, and it's just like, it's that kind of... It's those kind of opinions that come out of nowhere that just sums up BT. I take very little, um, I, t- I take very little to heart of what they say because Glenn Hoddle's never seen Red Bull Leipzig. He's never seen them play before. So um, what he says, to be honest with you, doesn't concern me. <laughs> <laughs> what does concern me a little bit is our inability to kind of, you know, hold the ball. But um, no, BT and the negativity that spirals across there and then everything else that spirals out onto Twitter and into blogs and people writing for the Independent Dependent about Tottenham being 16 years behind Leipzig. It's it's all it's all part of the same narrative. It's not related to anything to do with the football match that they just saw. It's it's just them continuing their personal agendas almost. Mm, mm. And and you mentioned there, Bardi, uh, players not being able to hold on to the ball. For me, the main culprit, and you're not going to like this because you're a fan. I thought Aurier had an absolute nightmare in this game. <laughs> I really did. Uh, he's ended up with a pass completion in the low 60% for the second game running. Basically, the ball came to him and unless he had a ball inside he didn't know what to do he would lump the ball forward down the line he'd try something over ambitious he'd end up losing it and they Mm. were very successful down that side where I thought Jedson had some some good moments but he kind of showed his inexperience at times as well Uh, and that was a a side where I was concerned certainly for a lot of the first half and Nathan tell us talk us through what we tried to do as in terms of a system it was a 4-4-2 wasn't it yeah, so yeah, predominantly we were in that defensive shape at the four four two. We did move sort of <laughs> kind of interestingly into like a, a Leipzig esque four two 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 towards the end, I thought, with mm. both Lamella and Lacelso playing narrow inside wingers and, and playing two speedy forwards uh together. But yeah, I mean the, the yeah, the inten- 
intention was to to play over the top for two fast runners, I guess. Um, I don't know. There, there's there's not a, a huge amount of of detail to explore there. I don't think. Fair enough. Uh, we had a question from Danish Gandhi, who's Andreas Loftager on Twitter. He said, "How much does it influence your perspective of Mourinho's approach to the Leipzig game that the opponent had their best three centre backs out injured? Shouldn't we have asked them more questions?" Nathan, you weren't. You basically said pre-game they've got some injuries at the back, but it's not going to bother them because they've got these players that can fill in. What you didn't realise was that Ampadu was going to come in and have the game of his life. Yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> those, those Chelsea loanies, they're good. And like, if, if, if Leipzig want a player of yours, you should do what you can to keep them, basically, because they know mm. what they're doing. Um, it's, it's not that like it was a non-issue to have like your best like three of your best centre backs out. Like that's not like that's completely irrelevant, but just that they have such depth and quality and versatility um in their squads that like it it wasn't you know, it wasn't as bad as, for example, missing Kane and Son from your attack. Mm. Yeah, we certainly seem to suffer more than them in terms of our injuries. Uh Bardi, from my perspective, it looked like our centre backs and Larice saved us on quite a few occasions. Were you worried at any point? Yeah, I was worried after the chap who stood next to me at the game. He were after twenty seconds, we both looked at each other and we realised it was going to be quite the night because they did come flying out at us. They did. I think they hit the post within two minutes, and it's just like wow. Uh, Yeah, so I I was worried, but I agree with what Nathan says. The fact their system, how it played, how they play, and the fact that we don't have strikers, them having no kind of their official centre backs playing didn't didn't really affect them. You know, it was it was it was a good place for them to be lose to be missing players. Had they been missing um, Werner or another one of their strikers, not Stick, who I told you was no good, (laughs) (laughs) we do still have a second leg to play, mate. that's true. That's true. But had he, if he was half a player, we would we, we would be out of this um, out of this tie, long out of him. What did I see you describe him as on Twitter? A uh, fast moving lamppost. <laughs> He, because if you get a football and you knock it into a lamppost, if you hit it right, the ball comes back to you nicely. So the problem <laughs> is it doesn't, it can't do much else. And but you know he he had a he had a decent game, but he does have the support. And I think Mourinho said that their front three, when they got tired, they were able to switch it and bring on like for like players. At the moment, our squad depth looks terrible. Yeah, yeah. And I thought we used our our bench pretty well in this game. Uh, so Lamella came on and made a real difference, and and Don Vallejo was terrific basically uh but there was some controversy because we took delhi off and he was upset about that potentially about being taken off or more likely his own performance uh Bardi, what do you think of that kind of mini tantrum he had on the on the bench uh, it doesn't really bother me he he had a dreadful match he he had to be that play like he was playing against villa being able to link in things and um get the ball out to Bergwijn and Lucas. He he didn't have that effect. I'm not saying the balls into him weren't great. He did spend a lot of time chasing, but you know, he had a half, well, a quarter of an opportunity in the first half with a header. And he, he he's, Delhi. we we love Delhi because he can kind of drift out of games and then just appear. But in this kind of match where he is the last of the, of the desk, he, we need him to be our standout player for, like, for the majority of the game and to really impose himself upon it. But he just seems unable to do it at the moment. Mm. He had one really nice moment on the right-hand side of the penalty box where he looked like he yeah. had too much to do but managed to essentially beat two men and find his way into the box and, and won a corner from it but perhaps could have perhaps could have won more uh, but aside from that he was really struggling I don't think 
I think Delhi needs players close to him uh, to mm. to work those quick passes off, and you know we just didn't have cohesion up top. Um, Bergvain was a little bit in and out. Lucas was kind of Lucas when he plays up front. Um, so I I don't know. Delhi didn't play well, but I don't think it was all down to him. And I can certainly understand why he was frustrated. And you know, if a player's upset, they're upset. I'm not I'm not overly worried about it. And it seems from Mourinho's press conference today that he's not overly worried about it either. Yeah, yeah. I would like to have. I would like to have seen um, Endombele and Delhi on the pitch at the same That's time. That's true. Perhaps those two, with their passing and the movement, might have been able to do something and give us something which maybe Bergvine and Endombele were unable to. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Just double down on how ridiculously good Ndombele is, and and how um, desperate I am to see him match fit and able to complete ninety minutes. And you know what a different game that may have been if we had him playing the whole game, because suddenly one player comes on and we're able to control the game, play through their midfield, beat their players, threaten them behind. Um, he's just he's so absurdly gifted as a footballer. Mm, mm. He really is. He really is. Uh, one of his first touches was just this ridiculous piece of skill to beat his man one-on-one. And I just mm. thought, yeah, now now we're in the game. Now we're in the game. And it's time to start giving Ndombele longer 45 minutes build from there. Yeah, I think uh, it's like it's worth using up a substitution every game to get him on 100%. or off at half-time. I fully because, agree. Yeah. I fully agree. Yeah, he's, he's, he, he's transformative for the team. Having said that, Lo Celso was terrific as well. Yeah. And again, um, really, really impressive. Always looking forward, always clever with his decisions. He started off in the middle, ended up on the right. Did a really good job in both positions. I, I, I like Lacelso a lot. I think he's probably our most important player for the for the running without Son and Kane. Uh, and were it not for him, I'd be a lot more concerned than I am. Uh, so we have another question. So this was from uh, Ali O'Brien. He says he wants to talk about uh, Alex Ferguson and specifically he wants Nathan to answer. <laughs> uh, so he directed his email to me and then said, oh, Wendy, can you ask Nathan this question? No, it's fine, Ali. I'm not, I'm not offended. Uh, he says, I think there are parallels with Mourinho and Ferguson and I wonder whether Nathan would have been more open to Ferguson replacing Pochettino in a parallel universe where he's 30 years younger or do you think Ferguson's style is outdated now? Um, yeah, I, in, in a way I do. I think that 
like um he he displays uh, an incredible uh, adaptivity over his time in charge at united i think you know we saw him yeah predominantly play in a sort of a counter attack style but he also um you know when he had ronaldo rooney and tevez played like an all out attack with a free flowing um sort of use of the striker and then when he has carrick and skulls he's ending games with 75% possession on a regular basis and then towards the end when the squad is a mess it, they become like a team who win games almost exclusively through set pieces um it's like yeah huge adaptivity but i think that he sort of saw where football was beginning to go over these last few years he you know he'd lost against guardiola he'd lost against the bielsa sides and he said you know i've been adapting and changing for years but but this next stage is going to be too difficult for me and he did what for him was the really smart thing and he got out and he preserved his own legacy in a massive way he is still rightfully regarded as one of the best managers ever uh and united have suffered for that and i don't know like he recommended david moyes which is like questionable <laughs> like how that sort of matches up with what he saw but i my my assumption is that he he knew that this is too much meanwhile you know arsene wenger stayed in the game for too long in my opinion and Mourinho is also seeing these same patterns but he's saying I can adapt I can I can modernize or partially modernize and find the the opposite and for you Bardi do you see similarities between Mourinho and Ferguson I mean it's easy to compare the two because um for a long time Mourinho was going he was the kind of chosen one he was the one that was meant to succeed Ferguson because they they share very um like the way they manage their players and the way they get their players to fight for them um, I think it was, I think he, as Nathan says, he was a manager who, who saw more than just formations. And he, if you ask him, I think he never, I think he says his team never played 4-4-2. Although I think when they were defending, they did kind of take that role. But his ability to, um, to break into markets first, go and get, um, Kinchelskis when, when the free non-European law, mm. law uh, changed. So when you could play more than like, um, the free kind of Irwin and those guys, he went out to Ukraine, picked up Kinchelskis. His ability to spot talent in um in Cantona and you know I didn't and the way he was able to get um Ronaldo from sporting and the, just the way he did things was was ahead of its time and you know you don't win two Champions League finals by by being a, a bad manager or not being able to adapt with the times and the two sorry the two Champions Leagues he won there was maybe nine years in between them and football changes an awful lot over the course of a decade but to still be there 10 years later at the top shows shows a great flexibility and uh, understanding of the game it does and I, I... Ali, in his email to us, has characterised Ferguson as being primarily a reactive manager. But I think that's true, certainly, of his latter years and some of his Champions League campaigns. But I don't think it's true of kind of the peak Ferguson years in the Premier League. He was he was very proactive and he was the they were the aggressors in, in the majority of games. And that wasn't just playing in one style either. They went from having two out-and-out wingers with full-backs that also mm. overlap to at times he would have one wide player that would tuck in and the other one would be a hugline um, toucher. So there was a comp- there, there were different styles that he used. Sometimes he'd have two strikers working in tandem. Others he'd have one target man with with another kind of player withdrawn from him. Uh, so he did sort of show versatility in that respect as well. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I think um, trying to pigeonhole Ferguson is wrong, and also trying to say uh, uh, Mourinho is Ferguson is is wrong. But I can I can see why the comparison is relevant. 
Totally, and if you just compare his um, the way he progressed through his strikers from um, from Hughes and Cantona, then to like having a point man like Van Nistelrooy, changing it to almost having um, a false nine with the three that would rotate, and then his use of Cole and York, he's he's, he's been very adaptable and he's changed. And the key thing about Ferguson, he he always learned in those early years, those early kind of Champions League days, he would get taught. He got taught some bad lessons by Milan, by Dortmund, and other teams, and he always adapted. He always came back stronger. I can hear, I can hear Nathan snickering to himself <laughs> because uh, <laughs> I, I said hogline toucher. I know, I did, I did laugh at that as well. Oh God, it's a spoonerism. It's a spoonerism. I've had a really long week. I'm so tired. I'm so so tired. It's such a good spoonerism as well. Oh God, I know. I hate myself. Like. I, if I hadn't now said this, I'd be saying, Nathan, can you just edit that? It's got to stay in. It's got to stay in. All right. I'm a bit delirious. Uh, one last question before we go. So this is from uh, Joel, who is Keen Joel on, on Twitter. Uh, and he's talking about Delhi and the positions he takes up. So he tweeted a picture of a Harry Winks cross for Delhi at the back post. And he's asked two questions. Why isn't Delhi getting into more positions like this? And could Winks be the Ericsson replacement we never knew we had? So, Nathan, you first. Uh, Delhi isn't getting into positions like that because we aren't possessing the ball in the final third and, and get, getting into attacking places as much. And he he is often playing uh, sort of a hybrid role with a sort of central midfield duties a lot. And we attack fast which means that we attack into space, but it means that he doesn't necessarily have time to catch up and, or even, you know, especially get ahead of the ball. Yeah. Um, so to go back to what we were talking about earlier with, with Delhi's, um poor performances of late is that I don't think we're kind of, we're playing the kind of football that, that plays to his advantages. I think, you know, he played really well against West Ham in a game where we controlled the ball and he had a lot of the ball and had runners ahead of him. Um, but I, I don't think that he... I mean, he could definitely do more. It's not like he's incapable of playing as a counter-attack player, arriving late to support counter-attacks, that kind of thing. Um, so he, he could improve, but it, it, these aren't like ideal circumstances for him at all. I've said before that I really liked Delhi playing on the left and lots of his goals in his first couple of seasons at Spurs came from him playing on the left and obviously Son being around has meant he hasn't played there but the fact that Son's not there at the moment means perhaps he could and I would expect were he playing that role he'd be arriving at the far post and getting on the end of crosses we've got Aurier who's kind of got this free role on the right and occasionally cross the ball quite well perhaps we should be trying this perhaps this is a this is a an opportunity to move Delhi back to a position where we know he can score goals and see what happens Bardi what do you think yeah, there's a fundamental flaw there, though, that if he doesn't play in the middle, then who does? That's um, that's the issue, I think. He needs um, he needs someone to arrive behind. He needs someone to distract and then take the space as, uh, as people's attention is drawn. And unfortunately, we don't have anyone doing that. And what do you think to the Winks element? Do you think he could be, as Joel's put it, the Ericsson replacement we never knew we had? Uh, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd rather Winks concentrate on the game he's playing at the moment, which I think we're seeing really good things from him. He's, he's, he remains um, incredibly brave on the ball and his um, his decision making and his ability to, to fill gaps in uh, as a opposition as the opposition attacks is important to us. So let Winks just focus on being that positional defensive midfielder for the moment. It's been quite interesting to see Winks's sort of mini evolution under Mourinho because many people assumed that as he was fairly small physically, 
physically and not a typical Jose Mourinho, Jose Mourinho, Jesus Christ, uh, <laughs> midfielder. Uh, he would be one of the players cast aside, but he's actually forced his way back into the reckoning, is playing regularly, is playing forward a lot earlier, I would say, and is having a bit yeah. of a renaissance at the moment. Nathan, do you think there's any particular reason for that? Uh, well, I sort of mentioned before is that the 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 biggest issue that Winks had under Pochettino was the pace of the game that we played, and therefore the physical needs on the central midfielders. Yeah, and it's not that Mourinho, you know, it's not like there's it's a physical game. God, that's not a useful turn of phrase. It's not like it's a low physicality game under Mourinho. It's just not quite the same extremes as it was under Pochettino. And I just think you know Winks. A really talented footballer, a lot of skills there, a lot of abilities. Um, just that the the physical game sometimes can get away from him, but it's it's slightly slower under Mourinho, so we're seeing more of his ability. Nice, and we're we're both tripping over our words, Nathan. So I think one thing we've <laughs> learned from this podcast is we never need to record on a Friday ever again. <laughs> but um, it's been fun nonetheless, and I wish you both happy hugline touching. Hugline. Touching. You've been listening to The Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Barney for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindner for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud D Lindner. Do check him out, he's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.